It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, where that journey begins. Good evening, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your hosts, Karen Fraser and me, Chucky G. Here on MixLR, along with Cheryl Knight Wilson and Chad in the background. Good evening, everyone. This is my last show with you guys. Well, last live, because I'm sure I'll be chatting with Karen and throwing some stuff towards Cheryl. So, But the last live one. Yeah, this it's is the last live show. This is it. The last yes. live show. We're going to be doing podcasts, though, so don't forget about us. Go to Podbean and go oh, to no. iTunes, and mm-hmm. we'll be having some podcasts go up regularly, probably about twice a month. We'll see how it goes. Cool. And, it, you know, it's a good way to end the show because we have Dr. Artie Sixkiller Clark, author of More Encounters with Star People and Professor Emeritus at Montana State University. She was on before with the last book where she talked about uh, Native American Indians on the reservation with UFOs. Now we're talking about urban Native American Indians off the reservation and how their connection with uh, UFOs and more physical evidence kind of based stuff there. So it's going to be interesting to talk to her. Yes. Oh, I can speak instead of Yeah, head nodding is, I was just going to say, I just narrate. Karen is now head nodding up and down. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So, um, I, uh, anything going on with you guys that you want to share, like life, you know, life wise, personal wise, anything, anything at all? I have a I really bad migraine right now. Yes, yeah. I know you've been sick. Oh, and you redecorated your house. There's something new, right? The house is redecorated, yes. Well, we've been redecorating since mid-December. Wow. And we finally just have all of the furniture. We're still actually waiting for two pieces of furniture for different rooms. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, yeah, it's done. We have a, you know, we have a couch and all nice. sorts of stuff now. And Cheryl, how's it going with you? Anything exciting in your life with you and the Chadster? Um, yeah, we went out for a drive earlier. You did? Woo! Crazy people! At the, at the Knight Wilson household. It's a big day. <laughs> hey, I've been like a shut-in for this week because work has been crazy. I've barely stepped ah. foot outside. So it was a big, so what, a big deal. So when you went driving, did you go anywhere cool? I mean, where'd you go? Just like the grocery store or what? We went down 411 to the A&W about 50 miles away. <gasps> you have an A&W? I am jealous, 50 man. miles away. We're gone for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get to the A&W. A&W. Yeah. Oh, I, w- I would do it, though. I love those places. Is it the one? Where, is it like the outside where you, you pull up and they... It sure oh, is. man. Yeah. That is so cool, man. I miss those. Yeah. I miss those. I just got a really exciting notification from Etsy. My papers oh. I bought from Monkey have shipped. Your what? Yay, Did you say leg, leg warmers? warmers. Yes, I saw that post. <laughs> oh my god! I can't wait to see that. <laughs> nice. Monkey and her leg warmers. Monkey? Yeah, you put the leg warmers on it, then you can hear the music. Your little flash dance going. <laughs> she is going to look fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous, and her leg warmers. Are you gonna get one of the one of those shirts that like has the shoulder that falls off to go with the leg warmers? <laughs> and and a pink tutu, uh, a hot pink tutu, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and a, and a headband. You gotta get the headband in there. <laughs> it's a whole '80s flash dance, man. It's her '80s outfit. Sweet, oh. that is awesome, man. I'm you can't wear kimono all the time. That's true. That's right. Well, you could get her big rocker hairdo and just put it on there. You know, like the 80s bands. You know? Look, he doesn't do wigs. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> it was an idea. Well, she, if, I, I just figured maybe she does leg warmers. Maybe she's going to do a wig. Well, was... we don't know if Monkey does leg warmers or not yet. Oh. Find out. It could be an issue. <laughs> gotcha. So, um, are we talking something metaphysical this evening? Is there something uh, specific that you want to talk about? Something specific? <laughs> you I mean as talk. opposed to just, hey, let's talk. Just like, this. hey, just winging it. Well, you know. You know, I mean, did you have something pre-set in mind, or are you just going to kind of wing it? Well, yes. Okay. <laughs> Both. Wow. Well, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> to <both>. what? <laughs> okay. All um, righty. Well, so what are we so talking? Actually, what I wanted to talk about is, so I don't know if you've noticed, because it's it's been so subtle, but it feels like there are a lot of people right now, especially on social media, Mm-hmm. We're feeling frustrated, but it's pretty subtle and hard to tell that this yeah, is going. I, I barely noticed at all. I still. barely noticed that it's going on. <laughs> and okay. so um, I want to offer a possible thing that you can do for things that you're frustrated with. Ooh. And we actually, the last time we did metaphysics, we kind of talked about this um, too. And it's just because that seems to be the loudest thing right now is, is people frustrated. Um, and so last time we talked about how you focus on the things you want, not on the things you don't want, right? So this is a continuation of that. And this time what I want to talk about is sending light and okay. sending love places. Okay. So when you see something that's scary or frustrating, one of the most productive things you can do from a spiritual and metaphysical perspective is to send light and to send love. And that is very difficult to do. So for instance, say that you lived in a small country that had a evil dictator. This is a totally, this is a totally made up scenario. Uh-huh. No, it is. Okay. And that evil dictator does something really mean, like he won't allow any bunny rabbits in the country. And you love bunny rabbits, and you feel badly because the bunny rabbits should be allowed to come in the country. So you can get mad at said evil dictator for not allowing bunny rabbits in the country, right? Right. And so what you're doing there is you're basically fighting anger with anger. And you're creating a, you're, you're taking the negative energy that the evil dictator is putting forth and you're adding your own na- evil, your own evil, your own negative energy to it. And when you add your own negative energy, the energy that's already there, do you think that that helps the situation or do you think that that makes the negative energy stronger? Oh, that makes it stronger. I mean, come on. I that's, would argue yeah. that that is the case. Definitely. So what I would recommend you do is that you, you, Take time every night or every morning or whenever you meditate or whatever to send love and light to said evil dictator, for instance, or to a terrorist cell in another country that scares you or to the boss that makes your life miserable or to that bitch who's dating your (laughs) ex-husband or, you know. Okay. (laughs) I'm just giving examples. Uh Uh-huh. So, and it's very difficult to do because it's hard to get in that place that's loving. But what, say the evil dictator was in my country and I wanted to, um, I, I didn't want to contribute to the anger of the situation. Okay. I would close my eyes and put my hands over my heart and I would send love and light to that dictator with the intention 
that that love and light would raise that person's vibration and help them to make kind, compassionate leadership in ways that will mm -hmm. help serve the greatest good of all. That type of thing. So that's uh, not really easy to do. Cheryl said, so no more hashtag resist. I couldn't, um, help, I couldn't help. I know. And, and um, I mean, I know I'm kind of being, being funny and, and trying to talk around current politics. But, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. And people are angry and people are resisting. Cheryl, you can resist. You can, you can speak out. But what I would also suggest you do is that you speak out from a place of compassion and love as opposed to a place of anger. And you can resist compassionately, and you can resist mm -hmm. kindly. You don't have to roll over and take this stuff. You can protest peacefully and kindly, but you can also send love. And you need to send love to the darkest corners of the earth, wherever that may be. And that can be really hard to do, because if you think about it, like a terror cell that's terrorizing your country, right? Mm -hmm. okay. It would be really hard to send love there, right? Yes. yes. But if you send love and light there, might that not help them to move into a different place where they then behave in a way that's kinder if more if people a lot of people did it? Sure. It definitely would work. Worth of just single people when you do it individually does, so sure why not? Exactly. So I recommend to people who are feeling frustrated or scared or any of those negative emotions that they work on sending love and light to wherever the place is that's causing them fear or to the person that's causing them fear or anger or hurt. But at the same time, I do think that it's important that people stand up for themselves, Cheryl, and I do think it's important that you stand up for the rights of yourself and for other people. Instead of walking around and hating counteract that because there's a lot of fear right and mm -hmm. anger to counteract that if you could just maybe send some love and light but you do it to do it with you can do it with terror cells you can do it with um places where there's famine your point about it's so easy to do to to send that love and light to loved ones or people in need you know you know people mm -hmm. you want to help and but you're right it is a struggle to, to send that to, to somebody you don't like yeah it's like very mm -hmm. difficult but that's but the, yeah but that's the most important time but to do you it have though, to right? step out of that that vibration of hate mm -hmm. that's kind of the point is doing yeah, it is not them it's for you it's allowing you to step out of that mm -hmm. vibration of hate and i'm not yeah. saying don't don't be politically active but be politically active in a compassionate and loving way as opposed to in an angry and hateful way yeah just like it's just like you do when you're when you have something from the past and you you want to you, you know you, you put forgiveness to it. It's not necessarily forgiving the act or whatever to happen that might not be correct. It's it's forgiving and allowing yourself to be uh, forgiven too, so that you can move forward and in a positive way, you know, and not continue to hold that grudge or that anger or whatever it might be, you know. Well, and Makes sense. for me, there's 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 a different perspective as well. Mm -hmm. So sometimes on a human level. I just really don't like somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, therefore, what I have to do is I have to look at them on a spiritual level, and I have to see them as a spirit who is made of the same stuff as us. Because as much yes. as people hate to hear it said, Hitler was made of the same stuff as us. Yes. Hitler yes. was still a soul. Now, as a human being, he, was, he, he did some really, really, really atrocious things. Mm -hmm. um, but he was still a soul. 
Correct. And so if you can connect on a soul level as opposed to the personal level, you know, that's that's how you do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's not always easy. I mean, like Cheryl was saying, it, it's it, it's it's hard to do it, but that's when it's most important. You know, like I said, it's it's easy to just go, hey, you know, send love and light to people who are happy yeah. and great. And, you know, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's good, too. But, I mean, it's it's more important to do what you were saying, you know, because yeah. uh, that's how we change that negativity and that, yeah. that energy. So, yep, I agree. Well, I'm not a religious person. Um, and I, I, I don't think of myself as a Christian. Mm-hmm. But there is a Christian hymn that I really like, and it's called All is Well with My Soul. And mm-hmm. it's kind of become my mantra, that and face palm whenever anybody does something. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it's kind of become my mantra that when something happens, I may be agitated on a human level, but when I look at my soul, all is well. Mm-hmm. And so if you can get to that level and you can find that place of calm that is where it's all well with your soul, it helps center you so that then your human actions are coming from that place of peace and light as opposed to anger and fear. Um, mm-hmm. And if, you know, the more people you get doing that and the more people that do that, there becomes a critical mass where things start to change. Mm-hmm. And you have to you have to believe it's going to change, and you have to know that on a soul level we're all okay. Every one of us is okay on a soul level. Um, and I also actually believe that all this turmoil and stuff right now is necessary change, and that this is what's going to be the catalyst for peace. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to shake it up, you know. Well, I believe September 11th was the beginning of a catalyst for peace as well. I, I you know, it's a it's a slow process. It takes generations to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen in five minutes. It takes generations to change. It's true. So I believe that all of everything that we've seen happen, uh, 2008 with the stock market crash and all of that, all of that is catalyzing are catalyzing events that are bringing about change in the human experience, and that a generation from now it's going to be very different. All right. Well, then you have to look at it, too. Like, you know, you look at all the stuff that's going on and, you know, the anger and all that. But at the same time, you can take it the flip side and say, look at all the people that are coming into their own spiritually, uh, wanting to connect, wanting to help and that's give. Okay. I mean, there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot out there. Yeah, there's a lot going. So, I mean, I think it's great, you know, so. Yeah, yep. but you can still resist, Cheryl. I would never tell you not to. You can put your... Thank that you. To place that's <laughs> and loving. No, because I mean, there's stuff that I'm resisting too. There's stuff that mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit there and watch people, uh, you know, be discriminated against and things yeah. like that. But I'm right. trying to do it from a place of love mm-hmm. and peace, as opposed to a place of of anger and hatred. So, and I have my V for Vendetta mask, Cheryl, if you need it, you know, so you can do the resistance. <laughs> Thank you. I may borrow that. <laughs> hey, no, hey, not a problem. So, yeah, no, I, I, I like I like what you said. I, it makes a lot of sense. And people, I think people really have to get a, grab a hold of that and actually do it. Because it's like, you can't choose how you feel, how your initial feeling comes about something. I've learned that, you know, your emotions, you got to let them roll and you, you feel it. And that's okay, you know, because that's what makes us human beings. But. You also have that choice of after the feeling happens, how you respond. You know, that's the most important. You know, you 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 like people go. Oh, I I I just couldn't help myself. It's like sure you could. You really could. 
If you took the time, you can choose how you want to respond to anything. Well, here's the thing. Okay, so I can feel really upset. If somebody walks up and punches me in the face, it's going to hurt. Yes. I'm going yes. to cry. Yes. Probably bleed. Maybe fall yeah. over. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From that point on, what I do with that is totally a choice. Yes. Definitely. And if yep, I punch him back, if I walk away, if I call the cops, if I call him every name in the book, whatever it is. Right. You know, if somebody cuts me off in traffic, I'm probably going to be a little, little. Um, my first response is to be a little panicky because I was almost in an accident, which is going to make me mad. Yes, correct. But then when I wave my middle finger at them, that was <laughs> me choosing as yeah. opposed to, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right, correct. Yeah, because it's not, I mean, I, I, I think that's true about everything that you do. So um, that's why in my life I've been trying to do the uh, opposite of, you know, I mean, t take that extra moment before you respond, you know, take that extra thought. Breathe. You know, just have, yep, breathe it in. So, breathe. yes, that was wonderful, Karen. <laughs> what can I say? I, I know I'm speaking slowly because of my headache and I'm not that's really okay. as fuzzy and not clear, but. Uh, okay. Yeah, you were clear. You were clear. No, you were fine. Yeah, that was good. All right. So, um, with that being said, should we go to break? Is that what time it is? All yeah. right. So we will go. I I never did get this new schedule down, so it's a good thing the live show is ending because I was never going to figure it out. We've been doing this for months. <laughs> <laughs> Whatevs. All right. So stick around. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark here on MixLR. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. Hey everyone, this is Winter Balefire, contributor for Paranormal Underground Magazine, correspondent for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, and now I'm very happy to announce a published author. My first poetry book, Love Letters Destroyed, is now available on Amazon.com, Lulu.com, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. Ebooks are also available. You can also check out pseudosynthpress.com for information on signed copies. Again, that's Love Letters Destroyed by Winter Bellfire. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, it's Karen Frazier, co-host of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. Thanks for listening to the show. You've probably read my column in Paranormal Underground Magazine. I write columns about energy healing, metaphysics, and also dream interpretation. But did you know I also am an author of multiple books about metaphysics and the paranormal? You can learn more about the books that I've written on my website, authorkarenfraser.com. That's author, Karen, K-A-R-E-N, Fraser, F-R-A-Z-I-E-R, dot com.
Join me at the Big Seance Podcast. I'm Patrick Keller of BigSeance.com, and this is a place for an open discussion on all things paranormal, but specifically topics like ghosts and hauntings, paranormal research, spirit communication, psychics and mediums, and life after death. The candles are already lit, so you might as well come on in and join the Big Seance Podcast. Hey, are you looking for a new paranormal podcast? Check out All Day Paranormal with me, Crystal Vermis. And me, Manny Vega. We come to you every week with the latest in supernatural news and entertainment. That's right, and you can find out more by going to getspooked.net. And don't forget to check out our YouTube show by going to getspooked.net slash YouTube. We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with your host, Karen Frazier, and me, Chucky G. You're listening to MixLR. And we are now going to bring on our guest, uh, Dr. RD6 Killer Clark. Good evening, Artie. How are you? Good evening. I'm fine. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for asking. Well, that's great. <laughs> so we're here to talk about um, more encounters with star people. Because we last time you were here, we talked about the other book. So we're going to talk about this book. Um, okay. I'm just kind of curious. Where, where, where would you like to start? I want to know where you would like to start. Because, I mean, I have questions about it. But I'm just kind of curious if there's any particular place you would like to start with us. Well, I'd, I'd like to be able to uh, distinguish to your readers the difference in this book and the uh, the first book I wrote, Encounters with Star People. Okay. Um, the first book, uh, Encounters with Star People, uh, were the encounters that people on the reservation had ha- had had. Um, in this third book, More Encounters. Um, it's a collection of accounts by people who did not live on the reservation, um, but were uh, American Indian. You know, the, um, there are like five million uh, American Indians in the country, but mm-hmm. 78% of them don't live on reservations. Right. So I collected those stories as well, and I thought it was important because there were some decided differences between the two groups. Um, the, the the people who lived off the reservation, although many of them had strong connections with the reservation and frequently went back to visit relatives, to be involved in ceremonies, and a variety of other activities, um, they um, were more skeptical, uh, more concerned, um, uh, and and they encountered. Uh, probably darker experiences, at least some of them, than uh-huh. those who lived on the reservation. Really? Well, why, why do you why do you think that? I mean, why do you think they were darker? I mean, I mean, well, what because do you think there the... were more stories of abduction, and rather than meeting and communicating, and right uh, that kind of thing. So, okay. So, but my guess, my question would be: Well, why do you, you know, why do you feel it was? Is because they weren't as connected to their roots, 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 roots. Well, you know, I, being on I, the... No, I don't think so. I think okay. that what what was going on is that people on the reservation who are more traditional and and perhaps a little bit more cautious about talking about such things, mm-hmm. um, just just don't talk about it. Where. The people off the reservation um, exposed to the non-Indian culture are more forthcoming in terms of speaking about um, 
hybridization programs, experimental programs, and things of that nature. Okay. Um, so let's let's all right, so let's talk about the uh, the Native American Indians that were not on the reservation. Let's talk about right. some of the things they experienced. So, um, uh, so so just so I understand though, you were saying that maybe is it possible that maybe the the ones that were on the reservation really quick maybe had some of the same stuff or experienced some of the darker experiences as the others, but just haven't spoke about it? Or do you think it's because they're more... Right, that they're, they're not okay. as forthcoming okay. about sexual kinds of things as what, what perhaps those who have been raised in a um, uh, an environment where people openly talk mm. about, um, you know, even have sex education in the schools. Yeah. And, okay. and where on the reservation you would rarely encounter such a thing. Okay, so let's let's talk about some of the stuff that they uh, that that you ran across while doing your book, and um, uh, maybe share some of the or some of the more interesting encounters that that happened with some of the people. Okay, wherever you want to start. Well, I think um, one, you know, there there's so many chapters that stand out in this book, and mm-hmm. so many encounters that are are so unique. And and um, uh, so thought provoking. Um, one of the um, the the stories that I happened upon, um, I, I I was uh, driving in New Mexico and I was looking for um, a particular place where UFOs had been been spotted and uh, repeatedly for a number of days in this community and had been written about. And so I wanted to visit this town and talk with people who might remember um, this event just out of curiosity and go through the old newspaper archives and and um, and check those out. And uh, the fan belt went out on my car. Oh, wow. And here yeah. I was stranded in the middle of nowhere, and I had to call uh, AAA for help, and they sent out a, um, a, a driver, um, uh, a wrecking driver to uh, mm-hmm. to tow me in right. to the uh, to the nearest um, mechanic, and um, on my way in, I was asking him, you know, what do you know about this? And he said, well, you know, I don't know a lot about it. He said, you know, only one I've heard my parents talk about, but he said the uh, the real story of UFOs is. Uh, known by this man that I was going to meet, Bo, uh, who was uh, the mechanic. He mm-hmm. said he has the real stories of, of uh, alien sightings in this town. Oh. And so when I, when I met Bo, I asked him about these things. And uh, he began to tell me um, uh, the story of... of uh, um, the aliens, it's chapter two in the book, Aliens in the Abandoned Copper Mine. Okay. And Bo was a, a, a Vietnam vet who had um, lived in that area. His mother was, was Navajo, and his father was uh, non-Indian and was a teacher on the reservation until he, he passed. And Bo lived off the reservation um, and owned this little uh, gas station mechanic shop uh even a little little his little 
house was, or his apartment was in the back of the place. Mm-hmm. And he began to tell me the story about after he and his wife used to go up into the mountains um, in that area um, uh, and camp out. And after she died, he continued to go up into the mountains with his dog, and they would camp out. And on this one particular weekend, he was scheduled to be in uh, Four Corners for a veterans honoring ceremony. Mm-hmm. And he went to the mountains to camp out, and then he was going to leave from there to go into the Four Corners area. And as he, they had, he and his dog had dinner, and he was resting for the night. Um, and all of a sudden, the stars above him disappeared. And he realized at that moment that it was a humongous UFO. And he watched as these small balls of light came out and went in different directions. And then this huge ship just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And the next morning after he uh, packed up and was leaving his campsite, as he's driving down out of the mountains, suddenly he sees off to the right side a spacecraft, a small spacecraft that is parked in the valley below him. And they are going into this abandoned copper mine and retrieving samples of ore and bringing them out. And then there is a person there who checks them out does some tests on them, and either either rejects them or keeps them. And he watched this for quite some time and um, decided that he would move on. And on the other side of the, of, of the hillside, he encountered another spacecraft, and this one was actually digging for ore. And they would take these samples, collect hmm. them, and put them in the spacecraft. Hmm. And he was very concerned that these um, these aliens were uh, stealing, uh, you know, the resources of our planet. Mm-hmm. And worse yet, perhaps planned if they found something that was of importance, that they would, um, that they may have other intentions. And so he constantly watches the sky, investigates UFO sightings and people who have had experiences and and so he was quite a memorable character Um, uh, just an amazing story Mm -hmm. yeah well it's interesting that they would come to well i guess it wouldn't be that's surprising that they would come and try to maybe mine things or, or gather things that they don't have from where they're at um I, I wanted to ask a question before we get into any more of the stories or stuff. I just always, always curious because you call them star people. So, is it a reason why you don't say the word aliens versus that? I mean, is it well because in in our cultures we never talked about aliens. We always talked about star people. Oh, okay. I was just you curious. Know, we, uh, there weren't any ETs or <laughs> uh, star be or or aliens. They were always the star people or the sky people. Okay. And so that's the reason I use that term. And, and you will find on the, the majority of the reservations, that's how people refer to them. Because, okay. you know, 
in so many of the native cultures there have always been the star people mm-hmm. who have visited even before the beginning of time and have counseled with the people telling them the protocols for living on Mother Earth and setting out standards by which we were to live and to protect Mother Earth. Okay. And so that's why I always use that term. Okay, yeah, I was curious. I mean, I mean, all right, so then if by using that term, but would they look the same like we would, like, you know, as I or someone would say, hey, it's an alien or whatever, would, would, they, would they look the same? Is it the same, like, uh, visuals? That you're, you know, that the, the Native American Indians got, or is it more like humanoid, like people versus, you know, well, how we look at, like the grays? Uh, the first are people of, of the Native cultures, as I've been told, do mm-hmm. look like us. But then uh, the star people, there are um, a broader explanation of star people, and that includes um, uh, various kinds of entities, including mm-hmm. the blue people, the shining right. people, the reptilian-type people, right. um, uh, and, and even some of, of um, the stories I've, I've recorded, you know, uh, are like the, the little green men who aren't green, mm-hmm. the little gray men, uh, maybe <laughs> the grays, I should say, yes. uh, with, the, with the big eyes and... and and there have been stories of, of those types of individuals, but generally the stories I get, if they those um, types of aliens are encountered, they're always encountered working in conjunction with other groups. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was just kind of curious because, you know, um, you know, when you talk to most people, talk about UFOs, they say it as aliens. So I was just curious at you know, the verbiage that was used. Um, now, even though the verbiage is star people versus aliens, we still talk about things like experimentation, uh, abduction. Uh, these sort of things still play a part in what happens with the Native Americans as it would with anybody, correct? Right. Okay. Um, now, the interesting part I saw was that there was more physical evidence with not non-traditional American Indians, you know, on the reservation versus the ones on. Is that because they're more forthcoming, or is that because things happened in a different way? Well, I'm not sure. Many of the many of the encounters on the reservation have been encounters that have been taking place for many years, and are uh, um, encounters that deal with um, um, an ongoing relationship that perhaps started when when the individual was small and has led into the older years. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, they're almost spiritual, and in some cases, in nature. Okay. Um, uh, and, and also a lot of uh, belief that they can communicate with the star people even though they don't see them, that they can use telepathy to contact them in space and to uh, interact with them as well as in a physical sense. Oh, okay. And, and, and like, um, let's see. So as far as their uh, connection and, and, you know, speaking back and forth, was there anything profound? Have you found things that were really profound that the star people have shared with uh, the Native Americans? 
I think, you know, uh, um, I recently interviewed an elder who who told me that um, um, that the star people see us on a path of destruction. Okay. And that, you know, that they have been, he called them the guardians and the, the watchers who oh. um, watch throughout the universe, the mm-hmm. different... Uh, the different worlds and monitor their advancement and their progression and their behavior and they are very concerned he said about the planet earth and the direction that it's taking because uh, um, they we were placed on this planet to take care of it and not to not to destroy it mm-hmm. and that's what's going on with all the different things that are happening on the planet. Mm-hmm. And right. so they're very concerned about that because if the earth, if we are, if we do self-destruct, it mm-hmm. will impact the entire universe. It just won't be a single event right. in the universe. It will impact other planets, other stars, other worlds. And um, uh, they don't want to see this happen and there's some indication from him that they won't let it happen that they I was just going to ask you that yeah okay there even you go. if it means the destruction of the human race wow. because that's not nearly as important as saving the planet right yeah that's, that's, that was, I mean, my next question was like will they step in you know if they feel it's mm-hmm. necessary because well, like you seem to think they would yeah well I mean it makes sense if it's going to impact more than just here, you know, if it's going to impact the universe and other planets and species and stuff, I, I could see that if they're uh, evolved enough and they are capable of doing that, that why wouldn't they want to step in and stop that, you know? That would make sense. Right. Um, ha- now, we always talk about, you know, they, you know, they're seeing the destruction or the things that we're doing and stuff like that. Um, I guess, is there anything on the positive end of things that they've seen that we have done you know, the, the good, anything, the good of human mankind, you know, uh, as far as how they view us or view, you know, the whole situation. Do you know? You know, I, I can't recall anything of that nature. Um, okay. Of, you know, a, a lot of the, a lot of the stories, people, you know, um, I, I've heard of non-Indians having, uh, having encounters where they are told that they're going to make a great change in the world or, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're representative of them on earth and that when they do reveal themselves, they're going to have a special role in society. I haven't encountered any of that among Native Americans. Wow. Um, well, I mean, to me, that's a little disturbing, you know, you wouldn't find, some, you know, something somewhere, you know. Yeah, um, I haven't found anything similar uh, in in my interviews mm-hmm. um, to to those kinds of of stories that that have come out of um, out you know, but um, warnings of of the, the path that we are on, mm-hmm. um, and and he was telling me that you know they do monitor uh, the mm-hmm. nuclear sites uh, because there's a major concern that that we can destroy this earth. Mm-hmm. 
And what's your, I mean, what's your, I mean, have you had, have you yourself, I know you have your Native American background. Do you, have you yourself had uh, uh, encounters of any kind or? Uh, well, I have, and, and that's part of the reason why, you know, um, I, I grew up hearing star stories and, and, uh, you know, I was very interested in, in the old stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I first started doing was going about collecting the ancient star stories from the elders. Mm-hmm. And um, one day I had a an, an elderly uh, lady ask me, she says, why are you collecting all these old stories? Why don't you go out and collect what's happening now? Right. And that's what got me uh, started on this path of... of uh, of collecting these stories, and and uh, I'm very grateful for her her interference in the path I was taking because <laughs> it has been an I- interesting journey and one that I'm I'm most grateful for, mm-hmm. um, because it's it's given me the opportunity to meet not only some really wonderful people but to gain a lot of knowledge and insight into what's going on in this universe. Okay, um, so let's let's talk about let's just talk about the universe and the star people just for a second versus us. So, what is your take on what happen, what's happening out there? I mean, are there uh, you're, we're talking multiculturals of different kinds of star people from different planets? From is it from different solar systems? And you know, are they all advanced, more advanced than us? Or are there some that are like us? I mean, I'm kind of curious about that. Well, I've been told by many people that there are literally hundreds of advanced civilizations. Mm-hmm. But there are also those that are like living in the Dark Ages as well. Oh, um, okay. But that there are few uh, that are humanoid. Um, that the evolutionary process that uh, created man... Mm-hmm. Is not duplicated necessarily on planets that are not Earth-like, really? um, and that some of the planets that have humanoid um, inhabitants have actually been those that have been transplanted uh, to that planet to inhabit it and care for it. And, and you know, many of the elders I've talked to said we were placed on this Earth to be the guardians of this earth and to protect Mother Earth. And not that we were part of an evolutionary cycle, but we were actually brought here from another world um, and um, to protect us. Now, I'm sure geneticists would <laughs> try to throw that theory out the window, but... Yeah. Um, you know, those are stories that have, are ancient and have been told for generations upon generations. That wow. uh, uh, so, so that's interesting. So, so we've been. So the thought process is we were we were a seed that was kind of planted here, and right. that there there might be some of our kind other in other places planted right. also. In fact, some that's of some of the people that I've interviewed who have been abducted and been a part of hybridization programs tell mm-hmm. me that that's one of the purposes of the hybrid program is to 
um, develop a species that uh, would inhabit another world. Mm-hmm. So, and I've also also been told that uh-huh. some of the species out there have have advanced to the point where they can literally control the environment of a planet that is lifeless and create such um, uh, an environment that is livable and breathable and, you know, is lush like the Earth once was Uh uh, all over the the planet and with uh, trees and and rivers and that they can... um, create this kind of an environment so that uh, the hybrids they are creating can can live there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the question comes out a lot, you know, where they go, well, why wouldn't they just come down here and talk to us and tell us, hey, you know, you don't do this or blah, blah, blah. You know, of course, and it, they, then there's the the other side of the coin. Well, then it causes mass panic and who would believe them? And they just probably, we would probably try to attack them because we think we're being attacked. So with that, with that thought process, which has been put out, you know, many times when we talk to people about aliens right. or whatever, um, is it possible that alien hybrids, why couldn't they put like an alien hybrid or have they, um, onto our planet where it could interact with us and maybe get that change going somehow, you know, versus the the major, like right in your face, kind of panicky thing, you know? Well, I don't know. Um, um, if alien hybrids necessarily um, live on Earth, I, I interviewed a man a, um, a few years ago that that told me that um, he had fathered an alien child mm-hmm. and that he had been called, he had been taken again and asked to bring him to Earth and to raise him as a human. Okay. Um, I have heard a story, I heard uh, one man told me the story about fathering six children and that mm-hmm. he often goes to the planet where they live. Oh, wow. And one of the things, the reason they come and get him is so that he could teach them about the ways of the earth people. Um, okay. And so that they have a knowledge and he teaches them history, he's taught them the Eng- English language, and he mm-hmm. said that it was interesting because um, the children who could speak verbally that mm-hmm. were hybrids were children who were highly valued and prized in this society, and mm-hmm. those who were hybrids but could not speak could only, uh, you know, were relegated to a lower level. Mm-hmm. And he spoke about the different levels of the society and and uh, you know the whole environment of this society. And right. how he returns, you know, to see these children. Uh, mm-hmm. Even talked about the names he had given them, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was a, a really an interesting um, day that I spent with him as he told me about what had happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I would think that you know, if if that were possible, and they could put a hybrid, and they could. Uh, I hate to use the word infiltrate, but you know, uh, work its way into. Uh, the political system or something where they could make a difference and maybe show a change and, or turn things in a different light. I mean, I, I would think that that be, that might be a, an interesting or wise way of going about maybe helping us to see our ways or, you know, kind of clean up our act a little bit, I suppose. 
I think we clean up our act. It has to come from every individual on the planet, don't you think? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, there are, you know, there's always great leaders that kind of can instill that change in the masses, you know. So I just figured, you know, right. maybe that could possibly be a way to, to you know, at least get the ball rolling, I suppose, you know. But yes, I do agree. If if everybody doesn't do the, doesn't uh, move to the change, then it's not going to work. But I mean, something to at least get you going in the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, on. Back to talking about, you know, the differences and the, the physical evidences and stuff like that. What, um, you know, in, in your in your book, there are, have, there, have there been any real, I mean, I'm just going to say documentation of uh, experimentation done to somebody or, you know, how they talk about, oh, I had this chip implanted in me or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, has there been any um, physical proof on that end of things, you know, that they actually have been here? doing the things that we believe they've been doing or interacting? Well, not that I know of. I mean, you know, I, um, I have had, um, uh, I had one, um, young man, uh, show me a scar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, his doctor had no explanation of how it happened. He said it was the result of surgery. Um, uh, but he had fallen over a cliff with his horse on a hunting trip in a snowstorm. Oh, my God. And literally had broken his, he said the bones were protruding outside his leg. Uh-huh. He couldn't move and uh, had begun after the third day of having little hope of being rescued. Um, and um, a star man came and healed him. Really? And uh, Yeah. And, okay. And so... Uh, you know, he showed me the scar, and he said that uh, after it happened, uh, he he went to his doctor, and he talked to his doctor, who had been his doctor since the, since he was born, had even delivered him. And mm-hmm. the doctor said it was the finest piece of surgery he'd ever seen, but he had said, when did you get it, and who did uh-huh. it? Wow. And, uh, you know, and it, he said uh, that's the only proof he had that his story was true. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, I mean, of all the, you and, know, stories. You know, one of the other things what? I found very interesting, I had a young woman mm-hmm. who uh, was a drug addict and had been <clears throat> molested and uh, beaten and left for dead. Okay. And a star man came, and she was so strung out on drugs and alcohol uh, and had been for a number of years and uh, started back when she was... Um, I think a freshman in high school, and uh, uh, she said that once she encountered this this uh, star man who not only saved her life from this beating because she was dying, she was yeah. bleeding to death, mm-hmm. that he not only healed her, but that he told her he found some strange substance in her blood that he had removed. And she said that she had no desire to ever use heroin or alcohol again. So basically he cured her addiction. Yeah, he cured her addiction oh, right man. there on the spot. Yes. And I, and she was known for prostitution. She had been mm-hmm. jailed, all kinds of problems. And when, um, And she wanted to tell me that story because she wanted people to know yeah. that there was hope and there was scientific advancement in the universe that could heal a lot of people 
They mm-hmm. just, you know. Yeah. Well, and you wonder why, like, the, the, see, when you tell me those stories, I wonder why, well, why, why, why aren't they, why not share that? At least some of it, you know, like leave something behind, you know, that we could use to, do you think it's just because well, we would just. What would we do with it? We would, that's what I say, we, we would just start it. set up a clinic <laughs> and then we charge people a. You know, two hundred fifty thousand yes. dollars to come. Yeah, That's why it isn't yeah. shared. I think is because of the greed wow. of uh, companies and individuals on this planet yeah. who take advantage of every advancement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be shared yeah. if uh, if the human race wasn't so bent on on making the dollar mm-hmm. and and you know being the most powerful. That's true. I mean, think of what that could do. I know in that's what I'm saying. It would be like it would be amazing, you know. But yeah, you know, as soon as you, as soon as I'm asking that question, I'm thinking, yeah, distortion though, you know, just totally distort yeah. the whole good purpose of it. You know what I mean? Um, and then only the rich would be able to take advantage of it, and then if you were some poor bloke, you'd end up having <laughs> to raise money, or the government would have yeah. to pay your way, and the taxpayers true. would have to foot the bill. So just That's think about it, you know, all you have to do is look at our pharmaceutical industry and, you know, a drug I, I had to buy for for uh, um, diabetes 10 years yes. ago cost $25 and today it's 250 yeah. So, you know, just think about that. That's true. Yeah, well... I, I always, I always hope for the best, you know. <laughs> Sorry, looking on a positive note, you know. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> you know, that's a good way to think. Yes, thanks. Um, so, like you said, you were talking about that one guy uh, fathering the uh, the alien um, stuff. Have there been like stories of where uh, a Native American, you know, a human, has become good friends with a star person? They, they, they would. Con, you know, do constant visit and and stay in touch and share things with each other and you know for a well, multitude of repeated, years. repeated yes. visits. You know, okay. Uh, I don't know if you would call them friends, but you okay. know there are repeated visit, visits, and I think uh, it's always. <clears throat> um, it doesn't seem like it's more of a friendship as it is perhaps a. The role of a father teaching a child, or or a relationship where uh, it's not um, a mutual relationship like a mm-hmm. uh, like a, a brother and brother, but more like yeah. someone who's so far advanced, and mm-hmm. you know uh, they are trying to give you knowledge to help you, you know, right. and and the people of Earth. Mm-hmm. I was just curious about that, you know, the, the the ability to bond with, you know, another species would be a good thing, you know. Um, well, in the story, The Brothers, you know, is a story of an Indian man who said that, that he was cloned and there were uh, three of him created uh, from his genetic code. And okay. there were other people, uh, he would he, they would come and get him and he would play and interact with these three brothers. Mm-hmm. And one day when he was like nine or ten years old, he says, you're not my brothers. My brothers live with me. You, you you, are not my brothers. And they said, oh, but we are. We're a part of you just as much as your brothers on earth are a part of you. And he did develop a long-term relationship with them mm-hmm. and would meet with them every year in some secluded spot. 
mm-hmm. um, and 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 he called them his brothers. So I guess that's that cool. would be the closest yeah. friendship. Well, that's you know? good. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, you know, you get the positive, uh, positive end of the the, the stories too. You know, um, right? And like when they and have they. Have you like within your books? Have you have the have I can't speak it right now. Have people given information to like other names of like names of other solar systems and uh, planets and you know any like I don't know you know what I mean um, information about other places well, besides most here. Most of the sure. people tell me that they can't pronounce the words because um, the the name and their language is made up of such strange sounds and symbols. Um, uh, that it's it's not similar to earth languages so that when they ask them where they're from they will point to a particular part of the universe and say mm-hmm. we come from, from far beyond that star and he'll say well give me a name and they will tell him a name but it's in their language and not something that's translatable into our language okay. um, so that's a that's a, a, a concern I always read about, you know, this alien called himself Elnon, and he, you know, he's from the planet whatever, yeah, you yeah. know, and <laughs> I, I really was interested in finding that out, and those are the kind of answers I hear. Uh, I also have heard from many people that the aliens have no names, uh, that they they are not like us, but mm-hmm. in terms of having a, a name, they... They uh, and 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 in many cases they're almost like a hive that function. Everybody knows what the others are thinking and act in units or colonies. Um, you know. Yeah, uh, versus rather, like rather than families and you know, right. That, that, yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Because that was that was my next question too. Is going to be like, well, are there any species of star people that do kind of mirror the same kind of? system we have with like a wife and a well, child it, it seems as though uh from many accounts that i've heard is that they've moved beyond the the gender kinds of issues and that they're more of a androgynous society that creates life uh-huh. um maybe in a laboratory um, i'm not sure about that but mm-hmm. they create life and they are many of them are are regimented worlds where a population is highly controlled uh, so that that um, one can uh, a new life is only created when when one life uh, passes oh wow and in many of those worlds it uh, i've also been told that that uh, the people can live uh, as, as long as a thousand years and the choice is made that once you are no longer um a viable contributor to the society, you make that decision that it's time for you to go and a new life to come in and, and uh, uh, you know, take over. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's let's get into a little spiritual here for a moment. So, okay. um, when we were talking about star people, down here on Earth, you know, we have all sorts of religious beliefs, you know, whether you're a Christian, whatever, um, believing in God or a higher power or the great mystery, as they talk about in Native American beliefs. Um, do star people believe the same, or do they say that there is such a thing? Do they know more about it than we do? I mean, what is the take on that section of things? 
I've asked. Um, I, I was talking to a to a um, a young man up in Alaska <clears throat> who told me the who told me that um, he had met this alien and uh, he had um, uh, visited with him and that he came back every year and mm-hmm. had been doing that for like six or seven years. And he invited him into his cabin uh, on his last visit. And the alien came in into his cabin, um, uh, was interested in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And when he tried to, oh, first of all, he saw a cross above his bed, okay. and he wanted to know about the cross. And then he showed the alien the Bible, and mm-hmm. the alien um, uh, did not understand how that could be the Word of God. And um, uh, he said that they had no such person he had never heard of, of Jesus in the universe. Um so so I thought that was an interesting uh, encounter that they had had. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've uh, I, I had an elder tell me that uh, he liked to tell them tell the aliens Bible stories, and his his grandson said, "I don't know if they know what he's talking about, but they sit and listen as mm-hmm. he tells them Bible stories." <laughs> and you know, so, and they seem to be interested. He said, but. Uh, not any really talk of religion. It's almost like, uh, in many cases, the star people themselves, to many of the elders, are spiritual beings as well as as appearing in a physical sense. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, so here's a really wild one out there. So do you think that the belief in God or the oneness or what we connect to here as human beings could technically be star people or a very highly evolved race and we are just seeing it that way because we are not as evolved well some people certainly think so don't they yes they do um, yeah I, I uh, 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 and you know it was the sightings of UFOs in the Bible and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the different angels and um, persons um, appearing out of the sky on chariots of fire. Yep. You know, it makes you stop and think. Yes, but it does. But at the same time, you know, um, uh, I, um, I think that we believe in God because it is a, a source of peace for us. Mm-hmm. And, and it's some place for us to you know, take solace in, in times of need and... and mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I don't think that that uh, people are going to attach themselves too readily to that idea, unless it's you know younger people who who particularly haven't been raised in the church, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm and more are more technologically oriented and yes. more scientifically. Yeah, right. But uh, as long as the old timers hang around, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to think, oh, no, there has to be something out there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, uh, all right, so really quickly, have there been any, like, I'm sure there has to be, but some stories that were really kind of like, even for you, getting the information a a tad disturbing, like something just like, wow, kind of thing. Well, you know, 
I met this woman who told me that um, uh, she and her little baby, or you know, I don't know, the big, little girl was two or three years old, mm-hmm. were abducted, and the aliens told her that the child was not hers. <gasps> really? Yeah, and and over the years they kept abducting them and saying this child is not yours, mm-hmm. and. Um, and she said that she knew she had had trouble, you know, uh, getting pregnant, and uh, her husband had died in a car accident before the, before the baby was born. And and uh, but they told her that she could keep this child until uh, she was um, uh, in her teens, and then they would come for her. Mm-hmm. And the story that she finally uh, told me is that. There were young women all over the world that were like her daughter, mm-hmm. and that when they reached that age, that they were going to be taken, and they were going to take them to a planet that only women would inhabit. Really? And she, yeah, and she was so distraught over losing her daughter, who it was her world, yes. that she said that. Finally, the aliens told her she could go with her, and that they chose women who had no male relatives, Mm -hmm. and the only relative they could have was a mother, and that they would take the grandmother, the mother, and the child to this planet. Mm -hmm. What did they say? Well, did they say why not men? I mean, was there a reason behind the? no guys kind of thing, you know? They just were conducting an experiment. And, you know, I didn't know. I I was so confused by this story she kept telling. And I kept going back. Every time I would get to the Southwest, I would go visit her. And the last time I saw her, she had lost like 50 pounds, and she was just flying around her house, you know, like Mm -hmm. a 15-year-old. And she said, you know, they're coming, and they're taking us away. And she said, they're even taking my mother. And and she said that um, she had lost the weight because she had been on a vegan diet because there was no meat where she was going. It was all a plant diet. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that she, she was looking forward to going. She had already signed a will giving her home to... Um, she had transferred her home to uh, um, uh, a girl's home there in the city mm-hmm. where she worked. She she had given away everything she owned, oh, and wow. she was and she had worked for years in this uh, tribal office. And so the next year, when I went back, I, I went looking for her, and nobody knew where she was. So I was going to ask and you. I so have she looked and looked and looked for her. So let me tell you, that was the most disturbing, perhaps. Wow. Yeah, as I say, did someone go check to see if she actually didn't disappear? And, and she did. I mean, she's gone from the face of the earth. Oh, that's that's kind of creepy, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know. It's something, I mean, that was one of the most memorable yeah, events. Yeah, we'll get some validity. I even went to her mother's ancestral home, to her um, tribe, okay, and and uh, checked to see 
if they had any record of what happened to her mother, and they had nothing. Wow. I talked so, to elders there who would have been her age. They they knew of her, but they had no yeah. idea what happened to her. So what? I mean, I mean, because you know that um, you know alien encounters are everywhere. Whether it's you know um, uh, not just Native Americans, but why do you think more so Native Americans and other cultures or races? Is it because they are more you know connected to the spirit you know being spiritual and stuff like that you do you think know, th i think that might be part of it and that our world view is different mm -hmm. and that we are we have grown up with this idea that the star people exist right instead of their aliens and ets out there in scary movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right exactly. we've grown up in a very different world and so when it happens we are receptive to it we expect it you know, uh, we may not expect it to happen, but we welcome the encounter mm -hmm. um, more often than not. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think the other thing is, and, and I really believe this, mm -hmm. I think there are many people out there who may even be listening to this program who have had an encounter, mm -hmm. have been abducted, but mm -hmm. simply don't talk about it. Because there's nobody out there in the non-Indian world like me who's going around and asking people these questions. Right. Well, yeah, I, just well. happened, I just happened to be, you know, the person that because of my own personal life, because of the stories I grew up with, the things mm -hmm. that I heard, uh, that, that uh, motivated me to search further. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, I, I use the example in my book that I was I was at a barbecue uh, okay. with ten other people, mm -hmm. and this woman from Colorado said to me, "Well, what is your book about?" And this is when I I had written my first book, right? And you're always hesitant because you know people are going <laughs> to giggle or yeah, roll their eyes. And so yeah. I told her what it was about, and she looked at me and she said, "Well, I I've had an encounter." And there was a doctor uh, there, and he said, well, I have too. There was a geologist there who who worked for one of these big oil companies that traveled all over South America, and he said, I've had a half a dozen of them. Oh, my gosh. And out of the group that was there, and these were all non-Indians, 60% yeah. of them had, had an encounter. So really? six of the ten people. And I said, have you ever told anyone? And they said, no. Yeah. So I think it's a lot more common than what you believe. I think if you were walked into a room filled with people and said, how many of you have had an encounter, mm -hmm. you would be amazed at the response. I really believe that. Yeah, well, it's no, I... There's nobody like me out there, you know. I mean, I've collected a couple hundred stories <laughs> from non-Indians who have told me their stories of encounters. That are just as as uh, 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 remarkable as the stories in my book, right? And yeah. uh, you know, and I just haven't written about them because the publishers feel that my audience is probably more interested in stories that of encounters from Native Americans than they would be uh, from uh, non-Indian people, and <laughs> it really bothers me because some of these stories are just amazing. 
Well, yeah, and that's and that's so true too because it's the same in the paranormal world. That being a paranormal investigator, even a psychic medium, when I go and start talking about stuff to people, you think they're going, "Oh my God, here we go! They're going to think I'm crazy, and they're going right. to just that." And also, next thing you know, they're all sharing like stories. Oh my gosh! Well, yes, can I tell you this? And da 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 da, you know. But at the same time, right. they're just not brave enough to step forward and tell the masses that versus some of us that are in the field are willing to do that you know we're, we don't we don't care what <laughs> what people really think about it because like you said you, you'd be surprised at the underlying amount that really is going on it's much more common than not un, you know more much more common than it you know it really seems to be so i agree well, I've, I've had people approach me and say you know well i'm not an indian but mm-hmm. I have a story to tell, and I'm going to tell it. <laughs> I just literally sit down at a table where I'm sitting and begin to tell me the story, awesome. and uh, I'm I'm just um, you know I'm I'm just amazed at uh, how many people have mm-hmm. had um, you know encounters, mm-hmm. but simply never tell anybody. That's true. So I just don't think that's indicative of the native world. I think it's. Mm-hmm. In, Indicative of the human race that they just yeah. don't talk about those things for fear of ridicule, of yeah. humiliation, of people mm-hmm. looking at them differently than what they did before. You know. Mm-hmm. And then, so so you got this book out. Are you going to do uh, like more and more and more and more encounters, <laughs> or are you going to well, go I'm, like? I'm, what are you gonna yeah, do? I'm going to to do uh, another one. Um, I don't. I don't know if people are getting tired of more encounters or more and more encounters, <laughs> uh, but I am also going to work on a uh, on a different book that will only be from the elders uh, uh, who talk about their uh, encounters. And then one of the things I've always wanted to do is share the ancient stories mm-hmm. uh, about star people, right? And the interactions in traditional uh, the traditional history. Awesome. Of the various tribes, so I've collected those over the years, and I would like, you know, to also write a book about that. Cool. Well, tell those ancient stories, you know. Yeah, I think that would be something interesting for people to read too. Um, right. We're we're at the end of our interview now. Um, okay. I've had a lot of fun talking to you, though. Um, well, this I is... hope that if people <laughs> listen and want to get in touch with me, that yeah. they'll. Contact sure. me at rdardy at sixkiller.com. There you go. You're rolling right into shameless self-promotion. You know this, don't you, Artie? Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> enjoy hearing from people. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, if if they have questions, uh, call me or write me. Okay. I answer every email. You answer every email? I, is it sure every it's every? email. <laughs> and I do it personally. I don't, oh. uh, you know, I don't have a secretary. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I answer every single email. Oh, that's really cool. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, it was it, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. And, uh, to, I mean, it's oh, I, it I nice find talking stuff. to you. I always oh, thank you. enjoy it. And, uh, well, when the next one comes out, call me. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe we will do that then. Uh, okay. I, I, wish you, I wish you a really good evening. Um, and, um, yeah. Thank you. And, and you, you too. Thank you. Well, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, our guest for this evening. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Mm-hmm. She's waving me in. I know. That's good. So, um, uh, if you see. Break. 
man, it was like, I know we have to go to break now. So let's, um, let's go to break. Let's take a little break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to do some correspondence with uh, Jack Kenna's, which is part two, but we're going to do a uh, winter bale flower first. So you're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the dark. and MixLR. We will be right back. Hi, this is Cheryl Knight, editor for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And I'm Chad Wilson, Paranormal Underground Magazine's publisher. Every month, Paranormal Underground Magazine explores the unexplained by examining topics that range from haunted sites to ufology to cryptozoology. We also spotlight investigators and researchers who continue to pave the way in a field that seeks to answer some of life's most complex questions. If you want to read about topics like psychic phenomena, demonology, conspiracy theories, crystals and herbology, and much, much more, visit ParanormalUnderground.net and start exploring the unexplained today. Hey everyone, if you can't get enough of Paranormal Underground, then I've got good news for you. We're on social media. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and I think even on MySpace, and nobody has a MySpace page anymore. So check out Paranormal Underground on your favorite social media site today. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. It's time we switch to longer-lasting Energy Star light bulbs. They're more efficient than the old bulbs, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. The Crusaders are commonly thought to have been motivated by the deep Christian faith. Crusades were actually war-inspired by the average of medieval ecclesial leaders who were only searching for total power and control. Well-played mind games which spoke about demonic forces, witchcraft and deadly possessions, many Europeans gave into their fears and bent the truth of an ancient and earthly civilization from their daily lives. It became an unknown world, not seen by the naked eye but capable of possessing your soul and in the worst case even kills you. In order to keep the people away from the truth, it had to be feared forever. Restoring the voice of our people, we give back what once was stolen from you. Your freedom in thinking, creating and believing. The Source of Immortality, written by Maria Anna van Driel, www.amazon.com Nicole Strickland here, California Coordinator for the Oregon Ghost Conference. Here to tell you about the 6th annual event, which will take place in 2017 on March 31st through April 2nd at the Seaside Civic and Convention Center in beautiful Seaside, Oregon. The Oregon Ghost Conference is the Northwest's largest paranormal convention and attracts visitors from all across the West Coast and beyond. It will have a jam-packed weekend filled with speakers, courses, tours, parties, and so much more. So join us for a weekend of ghosts at the coast to connect with and learn from some of the top paranormal experts in our area. Do not miss this great event. For more information about this fabulous event, please visit its website at OregonGhostConference.com. The Oregon Ghost Conference is also available on Facebook and Twitter as well. Happy hauntings! We are back. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on MixLR. We were just talking with um, uh, the guest 
Artie and about star people. And now we're going to move into um, some correspondence. Actually, we're going to do Winter Balefires first, which has got to do with Blink Man. Now we're going to move into Jack Kenna's segment part two with Stacey Horton on um, their personal ex- their personal experiences and views on the haunting uh, the haunted Mount Ida Church in Troy, New York. So we're going to go one right to the other. And as soon as we do that, then we will come back and we're doing lightning round, correct? I believe. So, yeah. all right, let's roll into the correspondence and we shall be back. Hello, this is Winter Bellfire, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark correspondent. And I'm here live in Los Angeles, California. Tonight's story comes from Elcott City, Maryland where there is an urban legend that has quietly existed for decades. However, recent flooding in the area has brought this legend back into the light, or so to speak. This flood has mirrored the events that first led to the construction of the Ilchester Tunnel back in 1903, and this tunnel is said to be the home of an entity known as the Blink Man. The origin of this legend is vague, but most agree it dates back to the time of the Great Depression, when a blind, homeless man was killed along the train tracks. Now he lingers, haunting the visions of those that seek him. He goes by other names, such as the Tunnel Man or Peeping Tom, but the story remains the same. According to legend, if you stand at one end of the tunnel at 11 p.m. and stare directly ahead for an hour, the Blink Man will appear. However, once he is seen, he will not go away. This type of entity has been called a flickergeist. It lives in the shadows, always in your line of sight, never leaving you alone. This entity is far from harmless. Once he is seen, each time you blink, he will slowly become closer and closer. Finally, it is said he will get so close you will be able to feel his eyelashes brushing against your own eyes, forcing you to blink one last time. What happens next is unknown. There have been stories of people going insane or even blinding themselves so they never have to see the blink man again. As intriguing as the story is, staring at anything for an hour can trick your brain into seeing things. Perhaps the story exists to keep people from trespassing though the opposite has occurred due to those brave enough to take on this dare. So have you ever come into contact with this type of entity? Let me know your thoughts. This is Winter Balefire for Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. So Stacy, we're back and uh, we finished up our investigation today. We had some really interesting things happen. Yeah. Um, both in the church and over in the cemetery. Correct. Um, so I had an experience there myself, but this is really about you, and we're going to talk about that. So tell me, tell me what you experienced over in the cemetery, because you guys did there first. Me and, yeah. me and your uh, other teammate, Steve uh, Culls, mm-hmm. we uh, investigated the church first. But uh, tell me what you experienced over there. There was something you did tell me about, which I found very interesting and may tie into my own experience. So tell me what you you experienced over in the the cemetery what you saw over there okay um well i took a group of uh people over including some of my team members um to do the investigation of the old mount ida cemetery Mm -hmm. right down the street from where the preservation hall is and we started off going straight down 
the driveway in yeah, there. Yeah, you come and into we the went, cemetery to the left yeah, and we you went go down that where, road down there. Yeah, we went to where Albert Pauling was buried. That's actually the site of where we were. And right. one of my team members kept saying, I think I see something over in the trees. And I turned, because my back was to it, I turned around and I started looking and I just kind of watched. Mm. And I could see something off in the distance back behind where we were. Mm -hmm. And I moved over towards the tree line a little bit. And I could see this tall, very thin, black figure mm -hmm. standing there. And it was almost like it was lurking between trees. And this thing was moving back and forth? Yeah, it was moving back and forth between the trees, almost like it was like lurking, kind of hiding but watching. At the edge. At the edge right, it was at the edge. And uh, it just, it was very, very eerie, but it was a very kind of creepy looking figure how thin it was and tall at the same time mm -hmm. it was just very lanky looking it yeah. had long arms and just yeah almost emaciated <laughs> or kind yeah. of okay absolutely yeah. right so it gave you that kind of feeling you have any other activity in there i know you saw that and you told me about that this point kind of yeah we had know. some flashlight activity but nothing really nothing solid major yeah, yeah other than that because you and i were both drawn to one spot of the cemetery at one point yeah so. Yep. Um, and I had a little activity there myself and stuff too. But interesting enough, when we switched and I brought a group, I went over to the cemetery and you were in the church. This I found very interesting because we talked about it after and I, I told you what I experienced. All you told me when I went over there was watch for this, you know, there was, you saw a shadow figure. You actually didn't give me details at that time. Right. So I said, all right, I'll keep an eye out. And I kind of did, and I didn't really see anything. But we had some interesting flashlight activity uh, at those gravestones on the, mm -hmm. the, I guess I'd call it the north end. I don't know, north yeah. or whichever. Uh, that one far end, away from where you saw that shadow figure. Yeah. That's where we started. And then I went around coming the opposite direction. And I know you had showed me where the, the crypts were. Yeah. And I didn't go down into the crypts because didn't want to take people down there in that dark. I had right. somebody with me who, you know, wasn't very good at walking in the dark. She's an older woman. Mm -hmm. But um, I did head up. I was going to have us all go up on the hill above them. It was actually would have been the second crypt. Mm -hmm. And I started to go in towards the woods. And so I started to go up the hill and I see this set of eyes, which was near the drop off. So I thought maybe it was an animal. It looks very low to the ground. I almost thought it was a, uh, raccoon. a raccoon at first. And uh, as it walked from right to left, I should say, it slowly got taller. And I did notice something odd. I thought maybe it was a deer come up the hill, but I realized you can't come up the hill. It's a drop-off where the, where the crypt is. Yep. So that struck me initially. But it was later on. I kept thinking this might be a deer. This might be a deer. And, and but I had my flashlight right on it. And I used to hunt, so I know what deer look like in the woods at night when you hit them with a flashlight. Mm -hmm. This was just a black mass with two shining eyes. And I tried to get closer to it, and it still moved towards me. But I, know, I also noticed that the eyes, even though it was moving left to right, the eyes were always looking straight at me, which was kind of odd. And I kept yelling, so if it was a deer, it actually should have taken off. I kept yelling, who's there, who are you, what are you, and I and got no response. And I also noticed it made no noise as it moved through the brush. 
because there's some heavy brush there. The leaves right. were kind of wet, so mm -hmm. if it was an animal, it may not make too much noise, but there's brush there, it should have made some noise. It didn't, and then uh, as I really move towards it, I see it kind of just, suddenly the eyes disappeared and it went towards the cemetery. So I yelled to your people, and he, you know, something's coming out, take, look for it, catch, you know, see if right. you see it. And I ran out there also, and I saw nothing go through there. Um, nothing was in the cemetery. They didn't see anything. Um, we did conduct a small EVP session certainly after that against a large tree that was towards the top of that hill, but there was a, a gravestone there and stuff too. Mm -hmm. But I never saw the thing come out. Now, interestingly enough, when we get back and talked, the same time I was seeing that thing, you were having something happen to you in the church. Correct. And that's just one of our people moving in the background, so don't worry about the, the noise. <laughs> it's not anything else. So tell me what happened to you in the church when well, we figured out it was the exact same time I was seeing it. I think. Um, we were doing an EVP session in the sanctuary again. And I've been to Mount Ida several times since that initial incident that I had in 2013. Mm -hmm. And I've never had that woman pop up again. Right. It was always in the back of my mind that she may still be there, but... Right. She's never popped up again. Right. And I just found it very interesting because we were doing our EVP session there um, tonight, and she popped up again. Yeah. Like, I, I had her sense that she was there. I had the same types of thoughts of when, she, when I saw her back in 2013. Right. Um, just a very – and I told, I told everybody back then that, you know – she was crazy, like certifiably crazy. Right. And that's exactly the feeling that I got again. Right. Now, something I hadn't told you about at the time was when you, after you told me about that, and Steve and I were in the uh, investigating church, I did call her out right. and asked for the crazy lady. And, and we had K, uh, not K2, but we had flashlight activity. Every time I said, you want to be called the crazy lady, the mm -hmm. flashlight would come up. Yeah. If I asked, you call something else, no response at all. So we had that many times. We had some other activity some knocks, things like that. And so I may have called her out on you, and she may have come back. But I also think it may be not what we think it is, and I have my own thoughts on that, but I, I right. won't get into that right now. But um, it may be somebody just trying to, or something that's trying to reach out for some assistance. Um, mm -hmm. Just coming across the wrong way. Um, desperation. Could be. But that's my own opinion on that, um, mm -hmm. my own thoughts. Maybe we talk about that later. But great event. Lots of stuff going on, um, and I'll let you give a plug to yourself and the place once, once, one last time. And uh, if you're ever in Troy, New York, and you want to check out the the old Mount Ida Church, it's the now Preservation Society. Yep. You can uh, maybe get in touch with Stacy uh, through her website, and I'll let you give all that. So go ahead, plug yourself. Well, thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Stacy Horton, I'm the founder of the Extreme Paranormal Encounter Response Team, um, and my co-founder Steve Coles. Um, you can reach us through our website at www.extremeparanormalteam.com. Um, we do have form entries there. If you're having any issues or questions, you can feel free to send in a form, and we're usually pretty good about getting back to you fairly quickly, so <laughs> we try. I know, yeah. And yeah. Uh, definitely uh, come check out any of the events that we have going on. Um, we've worked with the Mount Ida Preservation Hall for a couple of years, um, so definitely come and check everything out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Stacy. Thanks for having me out at the event. And thank great you. event and great investigation. So. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. 
We are back from correspondence. This is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Fraser and me, Chucky G, once again. And um, are, we, are we just going to go right into the lightning round? We're going to. This is our final lightning round. We're going to okay. play the intro and then go yes. into Yes. All right, Cheryl. Oh, okay, because, yeah, what? play the intro slowly yes. because I have to actually um, pull up the document. Okay. Right, you pull I'll up the play, document. I'll play, is seven seconds okay? Yeah, probably. Sure. Okay, All right. here we go. Ready? It's time for... The lightning round. Okay. That, that was Everybody? a long seven seconds. I know. It felt like a minute there for a minute. All so, right. uh, Jim is not here tonight. He's working. But we have a special treat. <gasps> Chad Wilson. Hello. Woo-hoo! What's up, Chad? Hey. Hey. All right. You guys ready? Oh, yes. Yeah. We got to get through this. All right. So first one, Toronto Star reports NASA and the European Space Agency are planning to send send astronauts back to the moon. Oh, my God. As possibly as soon as four years from now. Mm-hmm. So here's what I want to know. If you could explore anywhere in the universe, where would you go and why? And let's start with Chad. I would go to the center of the universe to see what's there. Oh. Like on Star Trek. What do you think would be there? Um, well, that's where everything supposedly began, right? And it spread out. Yeah. So it could Maybe be it could be God. Spot. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Uh, Cheryl, I'd probably go to Mars because you know they say there's there's extraterrestrial bases there. So I want to go check that out. Cool. Plus, it's red. <laughs> Good power color. Yeah. Uh, Chuck. Yeah, I, I, I have to concur with Cheryl because I've always wanted to go to Mars because, you know, they always say there's life on Mars, you know, and just so so much stuff that happens with that planet and people talk about it. I'm telling you, there's people there's people living up there. I, I just really yeah. believe that there is. Um, yeah, I would like to go there and check it out and see if it's true. So I would like to go as an embodied human person mm-hmm. living incarnated to visit the Akashic Records. Ooh, nice. All right, next one. Seeker.com reports a company in India has come up with a way to turn pollution into printer ink. Get out of here, really? Okay. Okay. It uses this complex uh, process and machine and stuff. It takes about 45 minutes of pumping polluted air through whatever this device is to get one ounce of printer ink. It's called Air Inc. It's, uh, I think it's for sale or will be soon. And um, I don't know. I think it's pretty ingenious. So I want to know, what is the most ingenious way that you have ever solved a problem? <laughs> Chuck? I, I, I don't even have an answer for that. I don't know. I don't have any ingenious way of solving them. You haven't you ever solved a problem and get, been kind of proud of how you did it? Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I don't remember what they were. I mean, they weren't like large things that I would remember. So I, I really don't have an answer to that one. I don't. Oh, Cheryl. I'm sorry. Oh, Cheryl. my God. I know. I, I'm not a genius. Like, Dang. I bet you anything Chad has like a blockbuster answer to this thing. I'm going to oh, ha- pass go. it over okay. to him. Chad. Yeah, do you have a blockbuster answer? I don't know if it's blockbuster. I'm kind of at a loss. But uh, uh, I stumped the I had to I had to put a license plate bracket on the front of, of Corey's car, and it was 
blocked off so you couldn't get to it. So I had to do some uh, fancy footwork to get it to work. But nice. I got it on there. There you there go. You go. All right. According to CNET.com, this one cracks me up. Oh, a God. cheetah shaped like a gorilla sold on eBay for almost $10,000. Oh, just my God. Pause for a minute to let that sink in. Hey, a cheeto? A cheeto shaped like a gorilla. It was the gorilla was um, uh, the one that the kid fell into the enclosure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And her, what was the name, Chad? Harambe or something like Harambe that. Harambe or something like that. So anyway, the cheetah was supposedly looked like this gorilla, and somebody paid ten thousand dollars for it. Wow. Now, if I bought a cheeto for ten thousand dollars, I would have buyer's remorse. I don't care if that cheeto <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> So here's my question. What is the biggest case of buyer's remorse you have ever had, Cheryl? Yeah, um, it's got to be the water filter that I bought for $300 that it came in the mail and it was probably like worth 10 bucks, and it didn't even work. Mm, yeah. All right, Chad? I bought these stupid pillowcase covers that look like uh, the uh, witches from... Uh, the uh, Halloween movie, the Sanderson sisters. Mm -hmm. And I got them all the way over here and I went out and bought pillows for them and the pillows were the wrong size. Oh. <laughs> I was upset about that. Yeah. Okay. Chuck. Um, when I first, when I first used to get on eBay, cause I collected a lot of the, uh, the A team from television, you know, the memorabilia. Mm -hmm. I thought I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And there was this cool picture of them all, you know, and it was like this rare picture. And so I paid like, I don't know, like it was like 40 bucks or something for this really rare picture. And I found out it was just a copy and you can get them anymore uh, for like five bucks. Uh -huh. You know? And I was like, so that was like Chuck's one thing of learning about eBay. And then after that, no, no, that, that never happened again. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. mine is, Two words, Ford Pinto. Do I need to say Oh, no, you need to say no more. <laughs> Kaboom! <laughs> Last time I'll buy a car based on, oh, that's cute. <laughs> I'm a rolling bomb. <laughs> okay. Uh, Telegraph reports. I'm sorry, the cat is standing right next to my microphone, Curry, that's if okay. you're hearing noises. Um, Telegraph reports that researchers in Jerusalem have discovered that during near-death experiences, your life truly does flash before your eyes. Oh, God. Yeah. So, if your life flashed before your eyes, what would you see, Chuck? <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, Not would, all. I just wanted a highlight. I know. I would probably see a guy who has really tried very hard to be um, a good person in general. You know? All right. Uh, Cheryl? Oops, sorry. Um, I think I'd, I'd definitely hope to see my, my loved ones and my and my friends, and that's that's what I'd hope to see. All right. Chad, what would you see if your life flashed before your eyes? Cheryl. Aww. Uh, uh, so sweet. And you guys have such nice, sincere ones, and mine is, again, a two-word answer. Hammer pants. Get this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hammer pants are awesome. Okay, this is our last our last lightning round question. Let's make it a good one, huh? Okay, hopefully. According to Business Insider, a company called Boston Dynamics has invented a new robot called Handle. Handle is designed to carry stuff over rough ter terrain. I mean, it does other stuff, but that's the quickest summary I could give you of Handle. Mm -hmm. If you had a robot, what would you want it to do for you, Chuck? 
keep it. Oh, massage my shoulders and my neck, like you know, real, like any guy's machines. Yes, yes, exactly, like a real person massaging or scratching your back. Because I really missed getting my back scratched. So both of those. The episode of um, the Big Bang Theory with how robotic Howard. (laughs) Yes, I did. Uh, Yeah. What would you do? What would you want a robot to do for you? Drive me around. Ooh, driving, driving, Mister Daisy. I want one of those cars that can drive, so I can just sit there and read or take a nap or something. So a robot would be cool. Well, be I want a car that can parallel park itself. Yeah, nice. I have to push a button. Um, okay, so Cheryl. Yeah, this is an easy one. I'd want a robot that could cook. <laughs> yeah, me. In my house, we call that robot Karen. <laughs> <laughs> That robot also cleans. Wow, multitasking. Pays the bills and does all sorts of other things. Chad, Chad is a good cook. I am not, so yeah. Yeah, but right. you can follow a recipe. Yeah, I don't like cooking. That's you don't all like I do. I don't like it. Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. You know what? It's not for everyone. All right, so that's how we do the lightning round, guys. Uh, and it's been fun. It and here we are fun. in the last three minutes uh, w- where we would normally tease a guest o- and tell you to come back next week, but that's not going to happen tonight. <laughs> so, Cheryl, uh, wow. people, uh, give people an idea of what to expect. <laughs> yes, yes, I'd love to. Thank, thanks, our, our listeners, for sticking with us all these years. I want to thank our most loyal listener, Bob Fountain from Spectrum uh, Trek. Bob. Bob. Uh, I will miss chatting with Bob live on our show chat room every week. But stick with us. We are still going to be podcasting to uh, Podbean and iTunes, um, possibly twice a month. You know, we'll just go with the flow. If you do still uh, go to MixLR and follow us on our live page, you may uh, be able to still listen live um, when we do our podcast because we, we probably will be using this MixLR recorder to do that and then po- podcast them later. So we'll be around. Nice. There you have nice. it. There you have it. All right. So thank you to everybody who has listened to us live thank for you. all of these years. Listen to me drone at you Thursday night after Thursday. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm happy to get my Thursday nights back for the first time in like seven years or something. Yeah. Freedom. But, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Freedom. Hashtag freedom. No. Yeah. Hashtag freedom. Um, but yes, thank you. And, and thanks to Rick, who was my co-host, and Chuck and Cheryl and Chad and all the people who've been guests and participated in our lightning rounds and all of the weird, funny things we've done over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you, Chuck and Karen. Um, you sure. guys have been awesome. And, you know, I still hope you're going to be around in some way in, th- in the podcast. Sure. Yeah, no problem. I, I, I appreciate the fact you guys let me be on the show as long as it, I've been on the show. It's been a awesome experience, you know, starting off as a fan of the show and then coming to be part of the show. It, it's meant a lot to me, so I really appreciate it, and I, I, I thank you both. All, All you. right, and so with that, uh, why don't we go ahead and sign out? My sign-off's going to be a little different. <laughs> oh, my God. Because, you know, thank you for listening for the last seven years at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Please stay tuned and listen for our Paranormal Underground podcasts. Good night. Good night. Night. 
If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.